not covet. Let's also consider what the church confesses and believes about this commandment. And this afternoon we're just going to concentrate on question and answer 113 of Lord's Day 44. And Lord willing, next Sunday, question and answer 114 and 115. So question and answer 113, what does the 10th commandment require of us? that not even the slightest thought or or desire, contrary to any of God's commandments, should ever arise in our heart. Rather, with all our heart, we should always hate all sin and delight in all righteousness. After the sermon, we will voice our Amen by singing from Psalm 51, stanzas 4 and 6. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, boys and girls who are also members of God's covenant and congregation, do you know anyone? who keeps God's law perfectly? Do you know anyone who keeps the Ten Commandments perfectly? In James chapter 2, the tenth verse begins with the words, For whoever keeps the whole law, and that word whoever begs the question, Who is this? This whoever. Who keeps the whole law? And of course, the answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no one besides him who has ever kept the whole law. Even the little children understand that, right? We're all born sinners. We transgress God's law in thought, word, and deed. And James writes that if anyone would keep the whole law but falls or stumbles in one point, he has become a transgressor of the entire law. He's accountable for all of it. Transgressing one commandment makes you guilty of transgressing the entire law. Or to put it differently, one unrighteous act on your part is enough to cancel all of your righteousness before God. So one of the things that God wants to teach us in the Tenth Commandment is that His law is one. The law of God cannot be divided up into separate parts, but it is ruled by one overarching theme. You must live in complete agreement with God's will. And that's what we're going to focus on this afternoon So the theme for the sermon is as follows, you shall not covet, and we'll consider the meaning and the reason and the goal of this command. So over the last number of weeks and even months, we've once again gone through the Ten Commandments, and we have heard God's requirements for obedience. And if we have the notion, if any one of us has the notion that we're doing pretty good on the obedience scale... The Tenth Commandment will rob you of that notion very quickly because the Tenth Commandment, perhaps more than the other commandments, focus or focuses the attention on our heart, forces us to examine our hearts. We are forbidden to covet. We are forbidden to covet what is not ours to desire. We're not allowed to desire what is not our right 
to desire or crave. And we confess not even the slightest thought or desire contrary to any of God's commandments should ever arise in our hearts. And notice the language of the catechism, how many exclusive words there are in there, right? Not even the slightest, contrary to any of God's commandments, should ever arise in our hearts. And look how many times the word all is used, right? So the the Tenth Commandment shows us the height of the law to which we cannot attain and shows us the depth of the law too, which probes the very deepest recesses of our hearts and our longings and our unspoken desires, our envy and our jealousy. Of course, the previous commandments also deal with the heart, and we've discovered that too again. But the Tenth Commandment very expressly probes our innermost thoughts. The Lord is looking beyond the structure of your life, beyond what perhaps your life looks like on the outside. He looks beyond your church attendance and beyond your outward appearance. The Lord wants to know what is living in your heart. You could put it this way. The Lord is maybe saying to you, you know what, I see that you've never really actually killed anyone. You're not a common thief. And when you walk into church, you look like a fairly well-behaved person. But are you really satisfied? Are you truly content? Do you truly believe that you have received enough from your Heavenly Father? Are there things that you covet? Perhaps you haven't actually reached out with your hand and taken something that is not yours, but are you content? Do you wish you had more money? Do you wish you had your neighbor's car or his goods? Maybe there's things that you dream about having, you wish you had. Whatever the case may be, with the Tenth Commandment, the Lord comes looks right into your heart. You might look like an upstanding citizen, but the Lord is asking if your heart is right before him. In the eyes of others, you may be living a good life. You may have never thought ever of, of getting a divorce, but are you content with your spouse? Maybe you never thought of killing anyone in your life, but are you thankful for all the brothers and sisters in the congregation, each one of them. Are you content or are you covetous? Are you satisfied or are you jealous of what others have? And so the Tenth Commandment then, congregation, should open our eyes for the immense amount of sin that the Lord has to deal with, if you really think about it. The Lord doesn't just stop at the door of your life. He, he opens the door and steps over the threshold and looks inside. He looks at your heart. And he speaks to you about sins that can completely dismantle your life. Things can look clean and washed on the outside. But the sins of the heart are also deadly serious. Already in paradise, in the Garden of Eden... These kinds of sins dismantled the life of our first parents. That forbidden fruit, it looked so desirable, didn't it? And the woman 
took and she ate because it, it looked so good. She desired it. She coveted it because she wasn't content. The lie of Satan opened up jealousy and envy in her heart that she wasn't satisfied with her position and that sin dismantled her life, didn't it? And her good relationship with God. And that pattern repeated itself already with the first two children of or with Adam and Eve's oldest son, Cain, was jealous of his brother Abel because he didn't offer, his heart wasn't right before the Lord, he didn't offer a right sacrifice before the Lord, and in his jealous anger he killed his brother. And there are more examples in Scripture. Right? Achan couldn't keep his greedy little fingers off of some treasures that he found in the city of Jericho, a beautiful mantle and a bar of gold, and he took them for himself. King Ahab of Israel coveted his neighbor's vineyard, the vineyard of Naboth, and so he had him murdered so he could take his property. And Judas Iscariot was a covetous and greedy man, and he sold his Savior for 30 pieces of silver. We read in Matthew 15 that it is the heart that produces all kinds of evil thoughts, murder, adultery, theft. But it's obvious that such evil thoughts also lead to evil deeds. And that's how it is with covetous thoughts as well. In James chapter 4, we read, You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. And from the examples I just mentioned, we learned that all these people had something in common. They worshipped the created thing rather than the creator. And that really brings us to the heart of the Tenth Commandment. In fact, it brings us full circle, doesn't it, to the first commandment, because that's idolatry. In his letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul wrote that no covetous person that is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. So Paul links coveting to idolatry, because it's a form of idolatry. Coveting is the worship of things. Coveting is making a god out of earthly, or, or an idol out of earthly possessions and relationships and, and doing whatever it takes to serve that idol. And the result is the dismantling of your life. Because greed and envy destroy your life. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. They had to die. Cain had to flee for his life. Achan was condemned to death. Ahab never really had a chance to enjoy his stolen property. And Judas was so filled With guilt, he went and hanged himself. In Proverbs 14, verse 30, we read, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Sin against the Tenth Commandment destroys your life from the inside out. Because the result of covetousness is bitterness and discontent. People can literally get sick with envy. You might have heard that saying before. Because they're not happy. They can't get what they want. And the real reason it brings such bitterness and discontent is because covetousness is idolatry. When God says you shall not covet, he's really pointing right back to the very beginning of the law where he says, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. And so a covetous person is an idolater because his or her heart is directed towards created things and not toward the Creator. And when our hearts are directed away from God, it's impossible to be content and happy. 
Well, let's also consider the reason for this command. Why does God give us this command? He demands, because God demands pure hearts, because He is holy. God is holy. And His holiness and His majesty demand nothing less than absolute perfection. And He has the right to demand this. And He does demand this. And He demands it for the sake of our very salvation and for our future glory, and and for the sake of having peace and contentment, peace with God and contentment in our life. That's why God demands that our hearts are to be free from unrighteous coveting. If God was less than holy, of course, the law would not make any sense, would it? And if the law, if God was less than holy, it would would make no sense for him to send his son into this world either to fulfill the law perfectly for people who cannot do it. But because Christ did fulfill the law, including the Tenth Commandment, the Tenth Commandment still stands today. It stands in full force. However, because Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, the law is no longer something that we need to be afraid of, but something for us to be thankful for. You see, in Christ, the law, including the Tenth Commandment, comes to us out of God's love. That's the reason God gives all of his commands. His love is the reason for the law. The law is the law of love. I believe I've mentioned that before, because the law is not meant to shackle us to a burdensome set of, of rules and laws and regulations, but it's meant as a guide so that we can live in relationship with our Heavenly Father. So the law is not meant for evil, but for good. It prevents us from being self-serving and teaches us to serve. And the Lord showed this himself very clearly when he sent his son into this world to become the servant. To die for our sins. Our sins against this commandment too, our covetousness was so bad that that's what the Lord had to do in order to fix the problem. Our covetousness is so terrible, it robbed the Son of God of His life. It consumed His life. Our covetousness, our greed, and our envy caused this. His own countrymen were jealous of Him. It was because of greed and envy that He was handed over to the Sanhedrin, and to Pilate to be crucified. And yet, while the Lord Jesus lived on this earth, he fulfilled his commandment perfectly. He did not covet anything. Why? Because his heart was directed to his Father in heaven. He had come to do the will of his Father. And he kept the first commandment, and he kept the last commandment, and all the commandments in between, serving only God. He coveted nothing because he had one desire, and that was to do the will of his Father in heaven. The congregation of the Lord expects the same thing from us. He wants your heart to be devoted to his service. Now, living in obedience to the Tenth Commandment is not merely something that should be on our to-do list. Living in obedience to the Tenth Commandment is something that we need 
because it's good for us. There's only one thing, brothers and sisters, there's only one thing that truly gives satisfaction in life, and that's when we live for God and when our hearts are truly committed to Him. Because all other gods, all other idols, fail to give satisfaction. Right? Cain's jealousy didn't make him happy, did it? Achan's greediness led to total disaster for his entire family. And Judas' discontent only led to a further destruction of his own conscience and then his own life. So when we live apart from the law, we end up living apart from God. And that only leads to death and destruction and chaos already in this life and eventually in the life to come. So what then is God's goal for us? What goal does he have for us with this commandment? For congregation, God's goal in this command is to protect us from more sin. The positive side of the Tenth Commandment teaches us that with all our heart we should hate all sin and delight in all righteousness. That's what we confess in this Lord's Day. Hate all sin and delight in all righteousness. Instead, that means instead of having feelings of covetousness, we are, this commandment teaches us to have feelings of contentment. Be content with your wages. Be content with your husband. Be content with your wife. Be content with your financial position. It doesn't mean that you're not allowed to make more money or that you shouldn't work on your marriage or, or find a better job, perhaps. But it does mean that you may not become bitter about your station in life. Be content, even if your Christian principles prevent you from climbing the corporate ladder or getting the job that you would really like. Think of what the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4. He, he said that he knew what it was to experience both riches and poverty. He experienced disappointment and failure. And yet he learned to be content in all circumstances. And again, this doesn't mean that you should simply be content with your lot in life and be content to live your own private little life and do the minimum required to survive. Instead, contentment, according to the word of God, means that you don't become bitter because of what the Lord has given you, whether it's much or little, and also that you go to work with what the Lord has given you, that you go to work in his service with your gifts and your talents and your material possessions and and everything else that God has given you and the place in which he has placed you in this life. And then we don't look across the fence at our neighbors. Well, if only I had what my neighbor had, then I could serve God better. No. The reason you have what you have is because that's what the Lord wants to give you to serve you, to serve him with. Furthermore, the Tenth Commandment teaches us that we must not only hate sin, but delight in righteousness. In other words, we must covet what is good. You see, there is a good kind of coveting as well. We must have but one goal in life, and that is to do the will of God who has redeemed us for that very purpose. And then we may covet and must covet what is good. 
And yes, it's true, we easily have thoughts and desires that are contrary to God's commandments. And sometimes those thoughts, they come up in our mind just like that. We don't even have to try. They're there before you know it. But we have to fight against that too, because that also is sin. We have to hate all sin, not just the big sins, but the little sins too. And I think sometimes we tend to be very selective as to what sins in our own life we decide to hate. We won't use the Lord's name in vain, but we allow ourselves to get away with a little bit of gossiping here and there. We won't work on Sunday, but do we always go to church with enthusiasm? And that's the way we are, right? And we do it so easily, but it's still sin, isn't it? And we have to learn to recognize sin for what it is, and we have to ask God to open our eyes so that we increasingly recognize what sin is and sin in our own life. Ask God to to teach us to recognize those things that prevent us and hinder us from serving the Lord wholeheartedly. As the the author of Hebrews writes, he said, cast off every hindrance so that that you can run the race that's set out for you. And get rid of those things in our life that cause us to stumble and and prevent us from keeping God's law. At the same time, this commandment also keeps us humble. And we'll concentrate on that more next week with the other two questions and answers in this Lord's Day. In this life, we don't reach perfection. And we know that when we're honest with ourselves, like James writes, we know that we do not keep The law, we recognize that we're far short of keeping it, also the Tenth Commandment. But then, congregation, as I've mentioned before with the other commandments, this should not lead us to despair. But it is meant to drive us to Christ. Confess your sins, repent from them, and flee to Christ. Flee with your heart to Jesus. He will forgive you and protect your heart from evil. And so this commandment teaches us that we must learn to be content, that we must covet what is good. And that takes, that takes effort. That's a daily struggle. But that's a battle, congregation, that we don't have to fight on our own. You can and may fight that battle together. Because in the Church of Christ, you are a member of a body of believers. We are fellow soldiers in this battle. And so we're also called to help each other. And yes, you are ultimately responsible for your own battles, but we're also responsible for one another. And perhaps you're content with all the wonderful things that the Lord has given you. And sometimes it's possible that we even even flaunt those things. And then we become a stumbling block to someone else. So to hate all sin also means that that we keep our brother and sister in mind by how we act and how we live. We don't want to lead others astray, but we want to keep each other on the way of obedience and truth. And and so we go to church together. That's one example. We go to church together in unity. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. And together we strive against all discontent and jealousy. Together We praise the Lord. Together we are content for what we have. And together we serve him. And so as we 
already saw with the other commandments, the Tenth Commandment also runs really deep, doesn't it? No one can escape the grip of God's law because the Lord demands our hearts. And in the law of God, there are, there's no loopholes. There are no loopholes. Right? The ten words of his law, in the law, the Lord demands much more of us than the entire law code of Canada, including the tax laws and the Bill of Rights and all kinds of bylaws and regulations. Because the laws that man make, that men make, the lawyers can find loopholes. If one loophole is closed, the lawyer will find another loophole. But there's no loopholes in the Tenth Commandments and no loopholes in the command that we are not to cover. Because with his law, the Lord is laying claim to our heart, to our inmost being, and he expects nothing less from each one of us that we serve him with wholehearted devotion. Amen.